You are listening to You Were Made For This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made For This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Hey, thank you, Carol. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 80. It's the first of our December episodes about what we can learn from the relationships we see in the Christmas story that can help us in our own relationships this Christmas. And, and please be sure to stick around to the very end, for I have a rare musical treat I want to share with you. Well, today I'll start by telling you about a group of people I met who don't enjoy Christmas nearly as much as the rest of us. Any idea who this group could be? The group I have in mind is a group of pastors that I used to work with, of all people. Yeah, pastors. This was a pastor's group that I facilitated for about four years. It would be comparable to what they call in business a mastermind group. These eight guys in the group, we would gather once, uh, once a month, and uh, they would talk about issues that they were dealing with either personally or in their churches, in their ministry, all for the purpose of encouragement and, and to gain wisdom from, from their peers. Well, anyway, one of the sessions that we were doing around Christmas a few years ago, uh, one guy commented, uh, um, just kind of a sidebar, he said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of not looking forward to Christmas and preaching a Christmas ser- sermon. And everybody nodded their head. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, I explored this a little bit with them and found out that the reason for that is, um, well, they all love preaching. They love preaching about other things. Sermons about Christmas and Easter were especially challenging because they felt, what can I possibly say that hasn't been said already? What can I say that would be true to the text of the Bible and yet at the same time you know, be creative and, and not boring and, and that kind of thing. So they found it rather, rather challenging. Well, as I sat there and, and heard them, I thought, well, you know, I'm not a pastor. I've never had to preach a Christmas sermon, although I did do one time now that I think of it. But if I were in their shoes, what I would do, and my suggestion would be when it comes to preaching a Christmas sermon, I would talk about relationships. You know, the Christmas story has always been about relationships. I'll give you an example. Like every good story, the story of Jesus' birth has a backstory, which we find in the first 23 verses of the Gospel of Luke. In these verses, I count at least nine different relationships. Well, all of these relationships are interesting, but uh, at our staff meeting, Carol said I needed to focus on just one of them today. So she suggested I go with uh, number seven on the list, and that is, Zechariah and his relationship with God. So that's what I'll do. Well, who, who exactly is this Zechariah character, and what can we learn about relationships from him? We know, for example, that he was a Jewish priest. He was a very godly man, very, very religious, and considered to be righteous in God's eyes as he was careful to obey all the Lord's commandments. Zechariah was well thought of in his community and his religious circle. We know that he was married to a woman, Elizabeth, 
a woman who could not conceive a child. And a key element to this whole story is that both he and Elizabeth were very old. Not just old, but very old. And, and then we have uh, the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah one day, and, and he was terrified. I think most of us would be. But Gabriel tells Zechariah, don't be afraid. And he says that because God has answered his prayer, and Elizabeth will have a baby, and the baby is to be called John. The angel goes on to tell Zechariah what a great man his son will be, and that he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. When Zechariah gets this news, he says to Gabriel, How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is well along in years. Well, that was a big mistake. Big mistake. Gabriel then, as God's messenger says to Zechariah, Because you don't believe me, you don't believe God. And because of that, quote, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, unquote. Wow, nine months of being mute, nine months of silence. Elizabeth soon becomes pregnant and then went into seclusion for five months. And her response was, wow, how kind the Lord is. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. We then have the story of Elizabeth's relationship with Mary, the mother of Jesus, but we're going to save that till next week in episode 81. For now, we'll skip ahead and move nine months ahead when Zechariah and Elizabeth's son is born. The silence of Zechariah, his muteness, ends eight days after the baby is born when Zechariah writes on a writing table, his name is John. Well, I wonder, I wonder what Zechariah was thinking for those eight days after his son was born, because Gabriel said he'd be mute until the child is born. Hmm, I wonder if he was impatient. How come I can't talk? I was told I could talk. We see that when Zechariah finally is able to speak, his very first words were words of praise to God. And people noticed, the whole community noticed. Verse 66 says, Everyone who heard about it and saw what was going on with Zechariah reflected on these events and asked, What will this child turn out to be? It was truly a community event. The rest of the chapter, Zechariah praises God, and he foretells the coming of the Savior. And then in verse 76, this this beautiful, tender verse, Zechariah is talking to his son, his baby, and he says, And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High. Wow, what what, what tenderness coming out of Zechariah's mouth. Well, how are we to make sense of this story of Zechariah's relationship with God And how are we to apply that to our own relationships? Zacharias had a hard time believing that God is going to perform a miracle through his wife, giving birth to a son so much later in their life. Many of us would have had a hard time believing God too. 
And so it raises the question, why is Zechariah penalized for what seems to be a normal response? I wonder if it's because he's a religious leader and more is expected from leaders. People in the community are watching how he lives out his faith, and to question God like he did sends the wrong message to the community, and leaders are responsible for that. I also wonder if he was penalized the way he was because not of um, what he said, but perhaps about how he said it. How did he say, how can this be? We, we just don't know. The text doesn't tell us. And I wonder if he's penalized because he placed more value on the science than his trust in God's word to him. You know, we're all hearing about trust the science during the 2020 pandemic. I wonder if that's the case. I don't know. I'm just speculating. The penalty for Zechariah in asking his question really does seem odd. And I'm wondering why this penalty of nine months of silence. Was Zechariah too much of a talker? I have found that some religious and academic types feel the need to weigh in on everything, to give their opinion, that they look at everyone they speak to as a student and their job is to educate the student. Some are like that. I wonder if that was the case with Zechariah. Or it could be that maybe God wanted Zechariah to spend more time reflecting on his relationship with himself. And it's hard to do that if you're talking all the time. It's much easier to reflect on God in periods of silence. And perhaps God wanted Zechariah to become a better listener to be a better observer of people and the world around him, and less of a communicator or a teacher. I'm guessing that these nine months of not talking created a spiritual and relational growth spurt in Zechariah. He defied the community norms by naming his son John, rather than after someone in the family. And that came at the very end of his nine months of silence. If you forget everything else, here's the one thing I hope you remember from today's episode. It's this. Trust God and what he says, even if it defies logic, human wisdom, and experience. Well, how can we all respond to today's program? Several things come to mind. One is, we can all take more time to be silent, to reflect to reflect on our relationship with God and what he is doing. We can restrain our desire to comment on everything that happens around us, to hold more of our opinions to ourselves, and to even have fewer opinions altogether. Another thing is that we can become more of an observer and listener and less of a commentator. We can become more of a learner and less of a teacher. We can trust God even when the odds are stacked against us, like they were for Zechariah and Elizabeth. We can embrace silence. We can use it to reflect on God and what he thinks and what he's up to, just like Zechariah's community did in Luke 1, verse 66. As always, another thing you can do is to let me and your fellow listeners know what resonated with you about today's episode. You can share your thoughts in the leave a reply box at the bottom of the show notes 
or you can send them to me in an email to john at caringforothers.org. There's another thing you can do if this topic interests you to take a look at episode 20 entitled Relating with People Who Talk Too Much. I will have a link to it at the bottom of the show notes. Well, in closing, I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show to both reflect and to act so that you will find the joy that God intends for you through your relationships. Because after all, you were made for this. And now for our relationship quote of the week. It's this. Don't speak unless you can improve upon the silence. It's a Spanish proverb, the author unknown, but it's a Spaniard. I'll say it again. Don't speak unless you can improve upon the silence. As we close today's show, I want to play for you a cut from a CD I got from Carol at last year's office Christmas party. At our party, we all drew names, and I got Rex, our beloved doorman, to our building. Do you remember him? I mentioned him in a previous episode. Whenever uh, he would open the door for us, and we'd ask how he was doing, and he would say, I'm just Rexcellent today. Well, anyway, I got Rex, and Carol got my name. Carol knew that I am just a huge, huge Marcel Marceau fan. So for my gift, she got me his Christmas CD. Marcel sings classic Christmas carols. And my favorite is his rendition of Silent Night. It's, it's really just one of my favorites. So uh, sit back and listen in to Marcel Marceau singing Silent Night. Wow, (laughs) wasn't that beautiful? (laughs) Well, that's all for today. See you next week. (laughs) Goodbye for now.